Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I'm your host, Zach Van Norman, and I'm joined by my other host, Amy Hood. Hello, Amy, darling. Hello, darling. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, as a matter of fact. It's, uh, it's really nice to get to watch one of my favorite episodes of Once Upon a Time here during our summer rewatch series. So, um, yeah, it's a good day. I actually just watched it today, and it's kind of put me in a, an uplifted mood a little bit. So it's, it's nice. I enjoy it. How are you? What's up? I'm good. It's just a crazy week. There's a lot going on because, you know, I've got Spooky Con coming up this weekend. So um, my grandfather's also in the hospital, but he's doing good, which is good. But it's a lot of running around, a lot of planning. So things are hectic and crazy right now. But this weekend, I know it's going to be so much fun and I can't wait. But yeah, things are, I, I was also really excited that we did The Price of Gold this week because this is also one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. I love this one. I found myself quoting along with it as we were going through the rewatch. Yeah, me too. I was doing the same thing, actually, so it's funny you say that. <laughs> All right, so speaking of Spooky Con, I think that's a good way for us to bring up our uh, first bit of news, which is obviously... You know, we're keeping everybody um, up to date on all of the convention stuff that's going on right now. So SpookyCon is this weekend. It's going to be down in Orlando, Florida. And Amy is attending for Once Upon a Fan, as well as our staff member, Maury Lazaro. So very excited for the two of you to get back together and be able to see each other again, because I love whenever any of us get to see each other again. So that's always nice. Um, I know, How do you feel about yeah. SpookyCon? I'm really excited about it. It looks like it's building up to be a huge event. And actually, from the last time we spoke on the podcast, two more Once Upon a Time guests have been added, um, Freya Tingley and Jason Burkhart, who played um, Wendy Darling and Little John, have both been added to the Once Upon a Time lineup now. So now there are six cast members from Once Upon a Time, in addition to you know, all the big-name guests like John Carpenter and Robert England. So I think it's going to be huge. I'm definitely excited to see Maury. Like you mentioned, those listeners that, that aren't familiar with our fan site staff, none of us live in the same state or city or anything. We are spread out everywhere across the United States, and even we have one, um, our editor lives in Europe, overseas in the U.K., so... We are split up. It's very rare we get to come together. So, yeah, we are getting to do a meetup this weekend for Spooky, so I'm very excited about that. We have um, also a lot of people coming to see that went to Encanticon in November. And like we mentioned before, we're still having that uh, Encanticon meetup, but um, I don't have the definite time yet. Lori is kind of hashing out the details on that, and then she'll get with me. But that'll be something specific for the EnchantCon family to kind of get back together and, and see everybody again. So definitely hugely excited. There's still tickets available online for Spooky, so they're actually cheaper to buy in advance. So if you're going to buy them in advance, I would go ahead and jump on and get them. It's going to be a huge weekend. Indeed, and I hope everybody has a fun time while you guys are there. And I can't wait to see all the pictures of all the cosplayers. Amy, please take as many pictures as possible and send them to me, you know, as it happens. It's possible that you'll probably be putting them on social media as it is, but still, like, I'll send you a ton of pictures. I was just going to say that um, 
Gareth, our editor, went in and set up a Pinterest board specifically for SpookyCon pictures. So I have access to that, too. So I'll be posting pictures. I'm sending Zach tons and tons of stuff. And you're welcome to share anything I send to you, and unless it looks, like, totally embarrassing on my part, and then maybe hold off. I can't wait to see all of that stuff. Um, I'm very excited for you guys in this convention. Um, I can't wait to see the pictures of the of the flat Zach that you've made. Um, yeah, it's my flat Zach. Like, kind of around, too. I'm excited about that. Just, I mean, because it's hilarious, honestly, because I, I should explain that, too. When the Once Upon a Fan staff went to Enchanticon in Orlando in November, we um, were also walking around Disney World, and one of our friends, who's one of the regulars on our site, her name is Deej, and we, um, our staff member, Chris, she printed out, like, a, a picture of Deej, and we colored it in and gave her, like, a little dress and everything, and so it was, like, a flat Stanley, only it was a flat Deej, and so we kept taking pictures with her everywhere so that she was, like, kind of with us in, in uh, Orlando. So I highly recommend <laughs> to anybody, if you have a friend who wants to go to the convention and they're not able to go, print out a color picture of them and put it on a popsicle stick and carry it around with you and take pictures. I guarantee you that your friend will get a kick out of it. Like, I guarantee it. It's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's a simple thing, but it's honestly really funny. So, yeah. Yeah, I love right, it. I can't then, wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm soaked. Um, and then after that, the next convention, of course, is in Paris, which is the Fairy Tales 2 convention. And we've got our editor-in-chief, uh, Gareth Hughes, as well as our beta editor and Origins author, Teresa Martin, attending. And that's going to be in Paris, France, from June 21st and 22nd, I believe, are the two dates. And we've got Lana Perea, um, Sean McGuire, Robbie McKay, and Emily DeRobin all in attendance there. So that's very exciting for everybody, too. Um, I can't wait to see those pictures coming in too from all the cosplayers and everything there. I'm really interested to see, you know, what kind of uh, what kind of European fans Once Upon a Time has because I haven't really seen a whole lot of you know cosplay from there really. I mean, I guess I could probably seek it out a little yeah. bit more, but at the same time, I'm excited to see a different kind of viewpoint and see what you know what kind of cosplay goes on over in Europe. So I'm pretty excited. Um, and then the other convention, of course, that we have going on is San Diego Comic-Con, which is down in San Diego July 24th through the 27th. And I will be there attending and going to be in the press room talking to the cast and hopefully bring you guys some really cool stuff about Season 4 and, you know, what's going on with, uh, with Frozen coming to Once Upon a Time because that's going to be a huge topic of discussion. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a topic in the news and everything until the show premieres again in the fall because Frozen is such a huge hit. And it's so popular everywhere um, mm-hmm. that I, I can't imagine. I mean, even websites that I frequent talking about movie news and TV show news and so forth, even those websites who never say a word about Once Upon a Time and Beyond is, have reported on this just because of the involvement with Frozen coming to the storyline. So, yeah, I've seen it that. everywhere. Yeah, Everybody I think is it's going to keep Once it. Upon a Time. Yeah, I think it's going to keep Once Upon a Time in the news and in the kind of pop culture psyche um, for the entire summer, I think it's going to be something that's sustained. And I also think that it's going to bring a lot more um, viewers to the show, and they'll probably start catching up on Netflix and everything else, too. So I expect to see a rise in ratings, too, which is always a good thing for our favorite show, because then, you know, we get a lot of the benefits to come with it, like a bigger budget and, you know, better effects and all kinds of things. So, yeah, and more seasons, too, which is the most important thing. Yeah. So, um then after that, the next thing that we have going on in our news right now is the Once Upon a Fan Awards. And, Amy, I believe that you have a little bit of information as far as that goes, perhaps? 
Yeah, well, we've been talking about them for a while, and these are not only for the actors, actresses, storylines, funniest lines, things like that that you typically see in awards, but we also have a lot of fan categories. So things like fan art, fan-made videos, uh, fan fiction even, and all of this is available on the website. If you go to onceuponafans.com, you can vote. I believe it's once every day that you're allowed to vote. But some, I'm having the hardest time because so much of the art is just gorgeous. I mean, literally, yeah. it's all things I would, you know, buy a print of and hang on the wall. And it's none of our, our artists are, you know, professionals. These are all just fans like us, and they're amateurs, and they do this work because they love the show, and it's so so gorgeous. There's some really amazing things. The videos, too. Some of them will break your oh. heart, and some of them will make you roll on the floor laughing. So I'm having a hard time yeah, doing with those, too. I am really impressed with the fan art that's been submitted and the fan videos. Um, I go to school for film production, for anybody who doesn't know, and so when I'm watching these videos, I'm kind of looking at it from that eye. There's a lot of really well-made stuff out there. I'm not going to reveal any of my votes for for what I think is the best or for what I voted for, but there's okay. some stuff out there that is absolutely breathtaking, really, and really well put together and stuff that I'm really impressed with. So I highly encourage everybody to check out the page for the Once Upon a Fan Awards and, you know, vote for your favorite, you know, cosplay and your favorite fan-made video and your favorite piece of fan art. And then, as Amy mentioned, too, we've also got categories for the actors and the actresses. You know, we've got, um, you know, both in the in the main roles as well as supporting roles, um, guest stars, uh, the funniest moments, uh, the best visual effects, what your favorite mm-hmm. episode was. You know, there's a bunch of different categories there. So make sure that you get voting because we're only doing this for a month. The results get, um, we're going to reveal those next month in June. So make sure that everybody gets to voting for your favorites and uh, we'll see how it goes. I do want to reiterate, too, that this works in kind of a, an elimination round style. So, the, the, uh, you know, whichever doesn't get, you know, whichever gets the lowest vote basically has to go. It's kind of like American Idol that way. So, it's once upon an idol. So, it's basically <laughs> it. So, um, just keep that in mind that that's how it's going to work. And, uh, yeah, in the month we'll be revealing the winners and be very excited for that. Because these awards, this is our third annual one. And I remember last year it was so much fun to talk about what it won. So, even more so about this year. Yeah. And then we've also got another one of our top ten character lists, and this one is coming from the point of view of the dark one. And, Amy, uh, I believe that you have the first, uh, the first two points on that there. I do. If you guys remember, last week we released the Once Upon a Time Hiatus Survival Guide, and it was the top ten ways to survive from Charming's point of view. Well, this week we did from Rumpel's point of view. And um, next week's is already ready, but we're not going to release it yet. So we'll have to tease. I will tease that it's going to be a female character for that week. But that's the only tease. Anyway, the first two on Rumpel's top ten list to surviving hiatus, number one, of course, is to spend some gold. And number two, very important also, is to drive a pimp caddy. And I actually had somebody tweet me that they had a caddy, and it was an older couple that tweeted me about it, and I was laughing so hard, I like I almost fell off the bed. Yeah, that's hilarious. I want to see that picture. We did get a picture in, too, on the Facebook page from somebody who sent in a picture of their child slaying a dragon. So I just want to say again that for yeah. all of these lists, we do want to, we want to see your guys' pictures of your 
you know, your interpretation of those submissions because we think it's really going to be fun. So please let us know uh-huh. that. All right. So, and then for the next points that we've got here, uh, let me see. The point number three, rock a cane like nobody's business. Go for it, people. We want to <laughs> see it. Rock those canes. I want to see, like, if you've got a video and you want to twirl, you know, some kind of cane around like Jim Carrey style and Batman Forever, go for it, babe. Like, Rock a cane like nobody's business. We want to see it. Spin it and disappear. Like, make something. We want to see it. It's going to be awesome. Then number four on our list is give somebody a book or a library. You know, whatever. Either one of them make really good gifts when you're on a date. I mean, whatever's you know, in your budget. See his relationship with Belle. Exactly. Well, number five is randomly tell someone that all magic comes with a price. I, I've said that to so many people. I just got to start picture, taking pictures when I say it. But one of the funniest things that came out of that is actually I remember when I first started following Once Upon a Fan before I became on the uh, Laura had made a picture of Rumpel saying that with his hands up, and but she changed the the writing on it, and it said, I'm not going to lie, I like a full-figured woman. And his hands were out the way he they puts them out when he says, all magic comes with a price. And I think that was the moment when I thought, oh, hey, this is a fan site for me. <laughs> but let's see. Oh, the next one, number six, admire a broken dish, preferably a chipped cup. Oh, the chipped cup has a special place in my heart. I love the chipped cup. It's so pretty. And, of course, you guys know we uh, – we auctioned the original one off for uh, our charity for With Kids, and it was signed by Rumple and by uh, Emily Robin too. Yeah, these lists are hilarious. I love that one. I would love to see somebody's <laughs> interpretation of giving somebody a library. I really would. Yeah. I think that's just really hilarious. <laughs> all right, you. and then number seven, make all of the ladies swoon, or fellas, actually. Um, even though you are a gold greenish skin, scary as hell, magic imp with dark powers. So for <laughs> all you cosplayers out there, send us Rumpel. <laughs> it's yeah, it's true. Everyone loves Rumple. Like he's just got the best mannerisms when he does the thing with his hands. It's just the best. It really is. I love Robert Carlyle. Mm-hmm. He's so cool. Number eight, make a deal with someone. Now, please, you know, keep this reasonable. Do not ask somebody for their firstborn child because, come on, okay? <laughs> Just don't do it, folks. Like, let's be serious here. But make a deal with somebody, and it would be even better if it was on, a like, some piece of parchment or where people had signed something, you know? Like, show us what you got. Or maybe make it a oh. meme where everybody signs a meme or something. Just make it cool. We just want to see what it's going to be. And then, Amy, you've got the, you've got the last two. The last two, number nine, is to teach someone magic. That could be anybody. It could be dark magic. It could be light magic. It could be any kind of magic. And number ten, the ever-important, find your true love. Of course, it has to be spelled T-W-U. It's not true love. It's your true love, which everyone knows is so much better than your true love. But all of these, aside from us wanting to see your pictures, they, we are actually, Gareth is going to compile an album at the end of the hiatus of everything that gets sent in, all the pictures that we get sent for these lists. So they'll be in one big album that everybody sends in. So definitely send us your pictures. I've seen a couple of really great ones so far. So these are amazing. I love these lists. They've been so fun to do. 
Me too. I really want to see what everyone does, and I can't wait to see. Um, yeah, it's just such a fun thing just for the summertime to do because it's getting to be really – yeah, it's just so much fun. I can't wait to see people, like, making people swoon and making deals and stuff. Send us your pictures, folks. We want to see it. All right. And then the last bit that we have here on the newscast is actually kind of a special note, actually. It's kind of a little bit of behind the scenes, some exclusive stuff that we got from Eduardo Castro, who is the costume designer on the show. So um, I should explain a little bit of the situation. So our dear friend Marie, who runs The Ugly Duckling, she lives in Argentina. We mentioned her on the podcast before, and we met up with her in uh, Orlando when we were there for EnchantCon. She um, posted on Facebook um, publicly, actually, um, a post to Eduardo Castro um, asking about Queen Elsa's dress for the Once Upon a Time finale. She said, it must have been a super top secret project. Did you get any instructions as to how to create it? Thank you. And then Eduardo responded, and he said, I, and this is what he said, I got a quote from the producers two days before the end of the season that they wanted to add this character. I had one day to pull it together, and we only concentrated on the back of the costume. My hero, Mitchell McKay, made them the costume in eight hours, and we shot it at about 2 a.m. the following day. The costume that we will use on season four will be much better and more detailed. We just have to wait and see who will play the part. So that's a little bit of behind-the-scenes information about the Elsa's dress. Um, really excited about that. Uh, it was really cool it that Eduardo to respond to. How big, how, how big of a secret it was. Because, we, I mean, I've read before that the cast didn't even know, and it was a super, super secret scene, and it was filmed without most of the cast there. They tried to keep it as minimal as possible to the number of people on set. But even the costume designer, the head costume designer for the show, didn't know until two days before they filmed it that they wanted this dress. That's how secret they were keeping it. And uh, I see Sarah's commenting, Juliet from Lost. That actually hasn't been confirmed. That's a, a rumor that's going around right now that she's being cast. But that's, um, that's just a rumor. Yeah, there's been no official casting news whatsoever yet. As soon as there is something official, I guarantee you that we will be bringing it to you guys right away, both on the podcast and on the Once Upon a Fan, you know, the main page. So anything that goes on with that, we will let you guys know, no problem. Mm. Um, yeah, so excited about that. And then also, too, Eduardo talked a little bit more because I asked him on the same post, I made a comment, and I said – you know, I asked him if he could share some similar behind-the-scenes notes about Emma's red dress because it was fantastic. And here's what he has had to say about that. He said, the red dress was also whipped up in two days. Originally, it was lilac, but Jennifer, meaning Jennifer Morrison, really wanted red. It was made of red silk, um, and then a word I can't say because it's in French, red silk faillé, that, believe it or not, was intended for a hook vest that we reordered, or, or excuse me, it was intended for a hook vest and then they reordered it, and they bought 20 yards of the fabric to make two gowns. And they had to have two gowns because there was one for Jennifer Morrison, and there was also a stunt double. So they had to have two different dresses. So that's a little bit of information about, you know, Emma's dress, too. And, yeah, I was so stoked that he answered me about that because, of course, I have said from the beginning when I first started watching the show even, <laughs> that when Emma finally gets in a dress, it's going to be red, and I was tickled by the fact that they had even included that. But then to know that it was Jennifer Morrison herself who requested that it be red, I think is just 
fantastic because, um, for anybody who doesn't know, originally Emma's jacket was going to be black. It was just going to be a regular black leather jacket, kind of like the James Dean kind of thing. But then Jennifer mm-hmm. Morrison went to Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis and asked them to change it to a red color instead. So she asked them for that, um, and then she asked for the red dress too. So I love it. I love the fact that it's Jennifer Morrison calling the shots on the red thing because everybody knows how I know about the, how I feel about the color. If you've listened to the podcast regularly, and yeah, and I love it too. Yeah, Sarah, I was so excited I, to read that. Yeah, and Sarah is saying in the chat room, now we're just waiting for your sorcerer prediction. Girl, me too. I'm waiting for it too because I'm tell, I'll tell you what. I swear to beans that that sorcerer, Yen Sid the Sorcerer, is the person who wrote the Once Upon a Time book. Like, I just think it would be so nifty if it turned out to be that way. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. I also, too, want to make a quick note, too, because I just remembered this about, the, about Elsa being on Frozen. Adam and Eddie have also mentioned the fact that originally in the original script that everybody read, they um, uh, they had a different villain lined up for who that big reveal was going to be. And then once they worked with Disney and got permission to do, you know, Frozen and figured out how they were going to do that, that was when it changed over to Elsa. So they still had another villain in mind, and I really want to know who that was. Um, Garrett Hughes, our editor, actually mentioned in an article that he did with uh, with TV Fanatic, I believe, that he's you know he felt that you know a big he was concerned about Elsa being on the on the uh, on the show just because it's so new and fresh and so popular and if they mess it up then it could be a really you know could have a lot of it could alienate a lot of people basically um, and he uh-huh. mentioned the fact that you know some people think that the show needs a big bad villain like the Horned King from the Black Cauldron. And I just want to bring that up because, Amy, I've been dying to talk to you about that. Can you imagine having the Horned King on Once Upon a Time? Oh, my gosh. That would be awesome. That would be so dark and heavy. And because that, I don't know if a lot of people have seen the Black Cauldron because it's one from the 80s, the Disney animated film. And it's kind of not quite as popular as some that, came out afterwards when Disney really started getting into that, you know, animation revival when The Little Mermaid and everything came out. But I loved The Black Cauldron as a kid, but that was terrifying. That that movie yeah, is creepy. It creeps yeah, me out, but I loved it. It is, yeah, it's a really creepy movie. It actually came out in 1985. Um, it and, and an interesting note, too, it is the first animated movie that actually features um, computer-generated imagery in it, so it, it does have that distinction. And mm. The Black Cauldron is based on the Chronicles of, of Prydain, Prydain, I don't know how to say that, P-R-Y-D-A-I-N, you try pronouncing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's based on that book series, and it's more of a fantasy element. The Horned King basically is seeking the Black Cauldron because he can use it to... Um, basically take over because he can control like the dead. Like he has an army of the dead. And he's a really used to like they've already kind of done that with the zombies and everything and Korra. So I think that uh-huh. it would be really easy for them to correlate that in and work that story in and have the black cauldron be something that they were to use. Um I just don't know if right. they would have to have the right, you know, to use those books or not. But I do think and that would Jafar be really cool did to it too. That. In Wonderland, Jafar had the army of the dead once he... Oh, that's right, yeah. So they've they've done it twice, so... 
would be interesting. To yeah, see. it could connect everything. And then the kingdom of Pridane could just be, or Pridane, or however you say that, that could just be another kingdom in the Enchanted Forest, and mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah, so there we go. And I just want to issue another thank you to Eduardo Castro for answering our our questions about the, you know, the dress and also, um, oh my gosh, help me, Emma's dress and Elsa's dress. Elsa's dress. Thank you so much. Oh my God, I can't believe I I I stopped to think and forgot to start again. Okay, so that pretty much does it for our news roundup, and so we can go ahead and get right on into. Oh my God, Amy, you in the chat room right now? Poison to gnomes. Yeah, return to Oz. <laughs> We're talking about return to Oz in the chat room right now. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I wish they could have incorporated some elements of that into the Oz storyline that they did on Once Upon a Time, like doing Mombi or something, like the Disney version that oh. they did. You know, like I think that would have been so cool. But anyway, that thing was so um, creepy. <laughs> yeah. So then um, that pretty much does it for the news. So we can get into the episode discussion. And of course, this week we're watching The Price of Gold. And this episode is very, very um, dear to my heart. It's very special to me. It's one of my favorite episodes, actually. Um, just because of something that happens in it had a major effect on me. So, yeah, it's really one of my favorites. I love the fact that Cinderella is included. It really intersects a lot of characters in a good way and created a really cohesive interaction between them all, and I really just loved it. Um, that's kind of my overall opinion of it. Amy, how about you? What's yours? I did too. This is one of my favorites of out of all three seasons. The Price of Gold is one of my favorites. I like I mentioned earlier, I was watching it and kind of quoting along with it. I it had like everything that I love about once, you know, it showed us how dark Rumpel can be and yet it had hope and there was just uh I think Emma had some really amazing moments in it and this is one of my favorite episodes. All right, so let's get into this discussion then, because I can't wait for this, because I I love this episode so much. So, of course, this episode starts out with Cinderella's stepmother and her stepsisters leaving for, you know, the the prince's ball, and they're on the way out. And I just want to point out, too, that I noticed that both of the stepsisters are brunette, and it made me think of Anastasia in Wonderland, and I was like, oh, like, maybe she found some magic hair dye somewhere in this bleach Still wearing a wig. I, Just put a on. Yeah. So they're on the way to the Princess Ball, and Cinderella is sweeping and, you know, looking very Cinderella-y. And, you know, she's looking up at the fireworks above the palace, and you can tell she's just wishing for something better that she could go. And her fairy godmother, you know, arrives, and she's there to change Cinderella's life, as she tells her. But then she is promptly killed by our very Rumpelstiltskin. Um, kind of tragic for the fairy, really. And uh, and I, for, it was so funny because for a while I thought that the fairy was, like, when they brought Tamara in for season two, I somehow thought that Cinderella's fairy godmother, like the fairy that he killed, was Tamara's mm. mother and that she had given up her life as a mom and as a human to become a fairy and that that was why Tamara hated magic so bad. It didn't work out that I way. I think that would have been a fantastic twist. I did think that, yeah, that that is what I what I had thought had happened. So it's, I wish that that had come into play because I think that would be really cool. Yes, Sarah, I said Cinderella. Um, so so then he picks up the fairy's wand after he kills her, and he calls it pure evil. 
and he tells Cinderella to go back to her life. And, you know, she says that her life is, you know, it's wretched, and Marple tells her that she needs to change it then. And, you know, Cinderella says that she'll do anything if he'll help her, and he says that she'll owe him a favor, and she signs his deal, the parchment with the deal. Oh, my God, I love it so much. It's so funny. Yes. Nobody ever reads the fine print. No, ever. It's like (laughs) the terms and conditions are so important, people. Like, look at your Apple update. She should have known. If she had synced her iPod lately, then she would have known when she read the terms and conditions. Poor girl. (laughs) Cinderella. Yeah, poor Cinderella. So then um, he, you know, he uses the wand to transform her and give her her dress, which, you know, looks just like the classic Cinderella dress, but a little bit different. The fabric is different, and it's just gorgeous, really. It's amazing. I love the shoes. I know they weren't actually glass. I keep meaning to ask Eduardo where, how they did the shoes, if they were like that vinyl stuff or what. Because since I was a little kid, I've always wanted my own pair of glass or at least looking like glass slippers. I think probably half of the women in the world, maybe some of the men too, who knows. But everybody wants some glass slippers. Honestly, you could probably just get some uh, clear plastic resin and pour it into a mold that's shaped right in the right size, and once it, like, cleared and hardened and everything, it would look like glass. Really? I'm going to have to do yep. that. I I'm bet, like, I bet, and I could probably get, I bet you that I could probably get an interior or an industrial design student to tell me how to do that, and I can get back to you. Do that, yes. Yes, yes, do that. That'll be a project for the hiatus. There we go. Exactly. All right, cool. So um, after that, when he gives her the glass slippers, by the way, I love what he says. He says, every story needs a memorable detail. I love it. Yes. Oh, good. So then he tells her to be sure to watch. It's so rumply. It's so rumply and empty. uh, I loved him in this scene. Yeah. Um, he's just he's just amazing. God, I love I love him so much. Okay, so then he tells Cinderella this, or Ella, excuse me, that he needs she needs to be sure to watch the clock. Meanwhile, in Storybook, the clock is chiming as Emma is walking Henry to the bus, and Henry talks about code names and how he needs something to call her, and she says to just call her Emma for now because she's not sure what other code name there could be. And I just going to say, like, I'm pretty sure that what he was basically hinting at was, hey, I kind of want to call you mom, so can that be your code name? Mm. She wasn't quite catching on yet. I think she was. I just don't think she was ready. Yeah, true. This was still fairly early, so she was, I think, still adjusting to the whole Henry thing. Yeah, major adjustments for Emma in this episode, a lot of them. Yeah. So then after she gets him off to the bus, Graham shows up and offers her a job as a deputy, including dental benefits. <laughs> he has that so red next- stripe on the back of his jacket, like on the collar of his jacket. This is the first time I ever noticed it because we pointed it out in the rewatch on one of Rumple Four that he had a red stripe around the back of the neck. And yep, it's not Cindy. a scarf. Yeah, yeah, it was from Skin Deep. Hmm. Yeah, well, of course he has a red collar. He's the sheriff. He's in power. <laughs> but 
but he's also, but it's also like a caller because he's just Regina Stooge. So it's like a double play thing, you see? Yeah. She's basically got him <laughs> on the like leash. Also like a dog caller. Yeah, she has him on the leash. Yeah. So then Emma heads over to the diner where Ruby, speaking of red, serves her a cinnamon-topped hot chocolate. And speaking of Regina, Regina stops by. Please note that in this scene, Emma's jacket is off and that Regina's shirt is red, folks. Because in that scene, that's when Emma tells, Regina tells Emma that she's looked her up and she's not worried about her anymore because Regina knows that Emma has had seven homes in the last ten years. And then she asks Emma what she enjoyed so much about Tallahassee. Now, I remember when this show came, I remember when this show came out and, Emma, and Regina said that to Emma. What did you enjoy so much about Tallahassee? I said even then, that's a hint at something. Something major yes. happened in Tallahassee. Yeah, this was like the first hint we got that Tallahassee was going to end up being an important, uh, you know, something coming up in the future. It was just mentioned offhand, but then it ended up kind of being something huge, like for the rest of the story. You know, I always figured that that was where Emma had met Henry's dad, maybe. So, you mm-hmm. know, that is what happened. So, yeah. But it's so funny to think that that even in episodes, like, we hadn't even met the guy yet, and already, you know, I mean, even in the pilot, actually, Regina mentioned that, you know, Neil in the pilot, like, even from the very beginning, he's been a part of this. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Awfully too bad that he's not anymore. Anyways, um, Regina tells Emma that she needs to make a clean break with Henry, and then she leaves. And Emma spills her cocoa on herself, and she has to go change in the laundry room, and that's where she runs into Ashley, which is the um, pregnant uh, storybook version of Cinderella. Ashley tells Emma about how no one thinks that she can handle motherhood or anything else, and that maybe they're right. And Emma says, screw them, and discusses that how she had a kid when she was 18. And then she says, and this is exactly what she says verbatim, people are going to tell you who you are your whole life. You just got to punch back and say, no, this is who I am. You want people to look at you differently? Make them. You want to change things? You're going to have to go out there and change them yourself because there are no fairy godmothers in this world. This is a little personal to me. It's a little Mm. personal. Okay. So this is the scene actually that, had a huge effect on my life and completely changed the course of my life forever, actually, was this episode. Because um, for anybody who is unaware, oh, boy. Uh, So my mom passed away from cancer six years ago, and uh, she and I didn't have a very good relationship, shall we say. Um, there was a lot of tension and a lot, just a lot of stuff that happened that I'm not going to get into, but it just wasn't the greatest relationship. And after she passed away, there was like a big hole in my heart, just like the curse gives Regina. Like, it's the same thing. Like, there was a lot of parallels for the show. This is why I fell in love with it so much. And this is actually why I love Emma so much, too. This is, this is the episode where Emma became my hero. Because when she said that to Cinderella... You're going to have to go out and change your life because there are no fairy godmothers in this world. That's when I realized that she was right. Um, That even though this was just a character on TV, what this woman was saying was absolutely true. Because at that point, um, 
up until Once Upon a Time came out, I had felt completely hopeless after my mother passed away. And I didn't really feel that I had ever, you know, that there was ever going to be a shot at a happy ending. I never thought that I would have happiness again. Like, it's just the kind of thing that it takes a really long time to get over. It's one of the most difficult things that, actually, it's the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my life. So Uh I just felt completely hopeless and lost. And when she, when Emma said that to Ashley, it was just like a light bulb went off in my heart, actually. And it was like, she's right. Like, I have to change my life because there is hope for a happy ending. This show <laughs> is proof of that, funny as that sounds. And um, so I made the decision when I was watching this episode, actually, that I think I made it sub, you know, subconsciously. But, um, you know, I did change my life. I went and I got a new job. And... You know, it was doing the same kind of work that I had been doing for 10 years. I was working in customer service, answering phones for a cable company, trying to help people out. And, you know, when you spend 10 years of your life always trying to help other people, you kind of lose yourself a little bit. You kind of lose track of who you are and what you want to do. And um, I was watching the show, and I, you know, at that point I had become involved with, uh, well, no, actually, so... um, yeah, anyways, I got a new job, and then like a year down the line, it didn't work out because I was just really unhappy. And by that point, I was already involved with Once Upon a Fan um, because I would wanted to find other people who love the show as much as I do. And, um, you know, I'd written a couple of theories about how I thought that the nurse from Skin Deep was going to be Ursula because of a lot of factors, and that was my very first theory. And I, you know, wrote a theory about how I thought that the Queen of Hearts was going to be Korra, and then it was, and a bunch of other things like that. And uh, I applied for Comic-Con for Once Upon a Fan. I applied for us to go for last year. And when we got the note, like when we got the notice that we had been approved for it, um, that's when I basically realized that once upon a time was changing my life in a major way and I had to keep going with it. So I quit my job um, and I quit basically the career that I had just built for myself over the last 10 years. Cause I'm, and I was 27 at the time, about to turn 28. And we all know what happened when Emma turned 28. Um, so I quit my job and I enrolled in school full time and I went back to being just a student who has two part-time jobs. and is just trying to better myself, and it is totally because of this episode, actually, that that happened, because ever since I saw this episode, I have held on to those words like they're air, that if you have want to change your life, you have to go do it yourself. And okay. funny enough, last year when I went to Comic-Con, I met Jennifer Morrison and the cast of the show three days, three days before my 28th birthday. So it was really just the kind of thing that, yeah, like, it was all happening for a reason. So, right. Um, that, is, that is my long-winded explanation for why I love this episode so much. And, Amy, please feel free to comment because I didn't realize I was going to talk that long. No, I, this episode always – I've loved this for a long time, obviously. But then even after you and I got to know each other and we had talked about, you know, the changes you had made and how you were going to school – this scene, every time I see it now, reminds me of you, and I always think about that whenever I see that scene. That's one of my favorite Emma scenes ever, and I love, too, that she tells Ashley 
you know, people are going to tell you who you are your whole life, and you have to punch back and say, no, this is who I am. And that's true. And I think that this whole scene and the lines that Emma says throughout this scene really hit a lot of oncers. I think that this meant a lot to a lot of people because it kind of made a huge impact in only what it's like maybe a two-minute scene, and it had this enormous impact on so many people. And I think it's awesome that you got to actually tell Jennifer Morrison, you know, how much that scene meant to you and, you know, when you met her at Comic-Con. That was my favorite part of all of the interviews. Like, every time I watch that interview with you two, I, it kind of makes me tear up, like, every single time because I know how much it meant to you and how much it changed things for you. So I thought it was really amazing that you got to tell her. Yeah, that opportunity was insane, honestly. I mean, and it's really good to go back and watch this episode and, and hear it again because I can remember saying to Jennifer Morrison, when Emma tells Cinderella you have to change your life, because there are no fairy godmothers, I really took that to heart. Like, I remember saying that to her and specifically referencing this episode. And it is absolutely crazy to me because I have not, honestly, I haven't watched this episode in over a year. Um, mm. I've just been busy doing stuff. So to go back and watch this, I was like, it was a reminder because I'm also a year now through college. Um, right. And I'm starting the second year. So... To go back and watch it now, it was like an affirmation of every decision that I've made to go back and do this because I'm doing okay. And I just want to say, too, for a lot of people out there, well, for really for anybody who's out there and listening and who, you know, if you feel like there's something out there in the world that you want to do, but you don't think that you're good enough or you don't think that you have the talent or you are worried about what other people are going to think or you're worried about their opinion, I cannot tell you enough that you've got to let that stuff go because the world needs you to let that stuff out. We need to see that kind of thing. People need to let their light shine a lot more and be themselves and be brave enough to be themselves and be good to each other. And I really think that if you, if you have any of those kinds of reservations and you're afraid to do something, just say, screw it, screw them, like Emma and go out and do it. Whether you think that, you know, you can go out and learn how to paint or, you know, go learn how to dance or go take a cooking class or learn how to write a story or, you know, go take a class on how to fix a car or something. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is in life that you want to do, that you want to learn, that you want to try and succeed at, go do it. It's okay if you don't like, you know, you don't have to become like, you know, Picasso or something. Picasso, like you're be yeah. Hardest. Yeah, you know, you don't have to become some major thing. You Don't measure yourself by what everybody else does. Just figure out what it is that you can do best and then go do it and just have fun with it and just be yourself and have an awesome time doing that. That's really the encouragement that I want to give everybody right now because that's what this episode and the show has given me. Just go out there and do it. Just try because I guarantee you that you will totally surprise yourself with what you can do and what you can accomplish. And It'll change the way that other people think of you, and it'll change the way that other people see you. But most importantly, it's going to change the way that you see yourself, and it's going to make you a lot more confident. So go out there and do whatever it is that you want to do, everybody. That is absolutely the message that I want to send forth 
from this episode of the podcast today. Anyway. Definitely. <laughs> now that I'm off of my uh, my soapbox there, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's get back into the episode discussion. Okay, so <clears throat> right after that, <laughs> you know what? Actually, no, I don't want to go back into the episode discussion. I want to keep talking about that for a minute. Because people are, ta- are saying in the chat room that that's why the fan awards are so important. And you know what? You're right. Because that's another thing that I have learned from the Once Upon a Family and the extended Oneser community. And, Amy, you can attest to this, too, because you see it. I mean, we've all seen it. There are so many creative people in this fandom on so many levels. It is insane. Yes. Nothing I have so seen many- that's been professionally okay. done oh has come anywhere close to how great the fan-made art and fan-made things are. Yeah, I would buy, honestly, and I hate to say this because it's, it's, I feel like it almost should be the other way around, but I would rather buy stuff that's been made by the fans than the stuff that they're offering as official, official merchandise, really. Uh-huh. Um, I think the stuff out there that people like Deej and Karen Morrow and... Um, God, there's so many people out there who are doing stuff right now. Um, all the things I see on Etsy and Pinterest and Facebook, you know, and all the different groups and everything, that stuff is incredible. All the cosplayers, the people who know how to sew those costumes together, oh, my God, that is just – it's amazing the time that that takes. And to have – you know, you have to have some real skills to be able to do that. That's not just something that anybody can throw together. So, right. you know, have that kind of thing and put it together, I think it's just awesome. And then to see people writing all this fan fiction, you know, and doing their own version of the story. Like that hopefully will just encourage people to start writing their own stories for whatever story, you know, that they have in their head. And, you know, all these, like, all the videos that we've seen of people who are good with the digital arts and, oh, my God, it's just so much. I love the fandom for this. That's exactly why I love this show because I see what it inspires people to do and I love it when they even go outside of Once Upon a Time and they do stuff that's not related because then they're just doing stuff that's more related to their artistry. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so a lot exciting. of mashups, too. I've seen people doing, like, Once Upon a Time with Doctor Who. Have you seen, um, I think it's Sean Livingston that, that has that whole fan fiction, and he has, I think it's Once Upon a Time Lord as his fan, uh, or his Facebook page, that stuff. And then, I mean... I've seen mashup art, just regular art. I've seen so many things. And it's all different styles, which is what's really amazing. It's not like it's all, you know, done one graphic art way. Some of them look like paintings. Some of them are digital art. It's just I've seen so many things that I want to get made into phone cases and shirts and wall prints. But I am constantly going through when stuff gets submitted to the fan site, I'm always going through and saving pics to my computer, and I just randomly, you know, pick ones to make as my free saver for, you know, a week or so and then swap to something else. But I don't think I've ever used any of the professional art that's been put out. It's always been fan things that I thought were really just amazing that I've used. Are you there, Zach? I think I lost you. Hello? 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 Are you there? Can you hear me? 
I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, cool. I don't know what happened there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Miss Lie. Um, so, yeah, Sarah is saying in the term that that's what makes it so hard is that there are so many different styles of um, – of fan art, and I agree. Like there are a lot of different styles. For me, that's part of the fun is seeing what all people can come up with in different mediums and stuff like that. Um, this is just such a great like. The show makes me happy because it makes other people happy. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. at this point, I just like seeing what it's inspiring other people to do. Like, it it just makes me happy to know that this show is releasing so much good, positive energy in the world that way. Because, you know, last week on the podcast, we talked, you know, a little bit about the flack that we're getting about, you know, Captain Swan and stuff. And I really, you know, there's a whole other side of that coin that I, that we're kind of, you know, talking about right now, which is that, you know, there's so much good things in the fandom and so many, you know, people who have come together with friendships and stuff like that and just, oh, my God, I love this. Oh, I love this show so much. Holy smoke. <laughs> it's just ridiculous how much I love this show. Really? Oh, my God. Okay. So, I yeah. Think it's, I think it's good that we talked about that because I think a lot of times that the negative, even though, like, proportionally the negative things and the negative posts and things like that that come out, they are a smaller minority, but it seems like they stand out or like maybe those are, you know, louder and those stick with you. And so I think that that, where that can be really damaging, it's important to look at all the positivity that has come out of the show. And it really does, if you look at it side to side, it really does kind of eclipse all of the negative things. And I try to keep as much of that negativity like out of my Twitter feed and all of that. I generally don't have a lot of it pop up on that, but I still hear about it and see it just because of the fact that we're on the fan page. But I I think it's important to highlight the positive things that come out of it. I agree. Because the show does inspire a lot of positivity, and the show is about hope for crying out loud. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Anyways, so God, I almost don't. I want to keep talking about this episode because I because that's what we're gonna do. But at the same time, I feel like this is a jumping off point for a whole other discussion, don't you? Like. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I, I feel like walk- it is because. Like not only the Captain Swan thing, but I don't know if we mentioned it last week when we met, when we mentioned that. Um, I've mentioned on the podcast that my grandfather's in the hospital, so I've been running around. Well, in between all that, I was trying to put the finale recap together. So I'm on the road, I'm running, I'm going to the hospital, back and forth. I'm writing in between, and there I, I forgot. Honestly, it was an honest mistake. I didn't do it on purpose. I forgot to put in that Emma and Hook kissed at the end. I did not leave it out on purpose, I swear. I mean, you guys know I totally shipped me and Hook. I I love him. He's, you know, mine, mine, mine. Anyway, I forgot to put it in. There were so many mean, hateful posts when my recap got posted on our fan site that Gareth had to take it down. I mean, it's and I didn't see it, thank God, because I was busy at the hospital and things, but it was an honest mistake, and it's like, you know, sometimes we get, we see so much of that that I feel like, I mean, we almost 
I, I feel like it's a good thing that there's so much positive stuff that comes out of it in comparison. Agreed. And, you know, I really, you too, what I want to say to kind of jumping back to what I was speaking about earlier, um, if you guys, like, if any of you who are listening to the podcast right now, if you take my advice to heart and you, you know, take the themes of the show seriously, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that everybody doesn't, but I'm just saying if you feel fired in a way to go out and do something different and do something that might change you a little bit, please let us know because those are the kind of stories that we want to hear about. Um, oh, crap. You know what? I forgot to mention something in the newscast, and this is actually the perfect time for me to bring it up. Okay. Because, <laughs> because Amy, you know, you know what's coming in June um, and uh, with Marie. And I think that this is actually the perfect time to talk about this. Okay, yes, so. I think it is. <laughs> for a minute I was so, like, do I? Do I know what's happening? <laughs> okay, I know yeah, now. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You know, yeah. So everybody, um, I'm very excited to talk about this. Um, and the reason why I have to do it now is because by the time we do the next podcast, it's already going to have started. So um, I want to let everybody know what's going to be happening in June. Um, so myself and Marie, who runs the Ugly Ducklings, are, we're doing 30 Days of Hope in June. And we're encouraging all Oncers and really anybody who wants to get involved. You don't have to even watch Once Upon a Time. Just this is the basic deal. We want to have everybody take at least one picture every day of something that gives you hope. And it has to be something different every day, too. You can't just send us the same picture. We want to see something different every day of something that gives you hope, whether it's you know, a small personal object that you've had since childhood that gives you comfort or you know, something as an adult, like maybe your wedding ring and you know, your marriage is what gives you hope. Or maybe it's, you know, your schoolwork and it's, you know, like your binder or something. Anything at all that gives you hope, we want to see pictures of it one a day for the next 30 days starting June 1st. And we want the hashtag on Twitter to be hashtag 30 days of hope. Please tag myself. My Twitter handle is at the Zach, Z-A-C-H, van, like a van you drive, all together. Okay. Um, you can also tag Marie. She is at U Ducklings Inc. Um, tag Amy. She is Amelia, which is A M Y L I A four hundred three. The Once Upon a Fan podcast, which is O U A F podcast. Um, you know, we want to see this stuff. We want to see what gives you guys hope because our intention with this is to turn it into a thing where everybody develops a habit of personal thinking or personal thinking, of positive thinking and of, you know, finding hope in the little things and really finding something in everyday life to appreciate. And hopefully that will give everybody a little bit of a different outlook. And I know there's a lot of positive people out there already who maybe already feel this way, but we really want to turn it into something visual and have it be something that people can go back to when they're not doing so good or when they're having a hard time or – you know, if they need some hope, you know, we want everybody to have something tangible that they can go back to and kind of wrap themselves up in those memories a little bit like blankets. So right. please join us in the 30 Days of Hope. I'm very excited to be doing this project with Marie. Um, sure. We're going to be announcing it on Twitter just as soon as we get the, video, the announcement video edited together, um, which will be in the next couple of days. And, yeah, I'm very excited about this. So I hope that everybody, if you're listening, that you will join us on this project. Um, because we really just want to bring some positivity to people's lives. 
So, yeah. I think it'll be good. And I think that, you know, maybe we should compile, like, an album of everything that we get sent. But I'm definitely going to participate, you know, send in. Because I tweet photos all the time. It's not that much harder to, you know, find something that you can tag with that and then send it out. So I think it'll be really neat to see everybody's inspiration and the things that touch them and give them hope in their lives. I think it'll be something great for everyone. Yeah, I'm really stoked. Um, I'm really excited about this because, I mean, obviously, you know, Emma and the Ugly Ducklings and Hope and everything is very important to me, but I also want everybody else to really get something out of this. I really want everybody to have a positive experience with this, and I want everybody to find some hope for themselves in everyday life. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how we know what's going to happen and how it's going to go, really, because I think it's going to be a really awesome thing. So, yeah. Sarah, we will be sharing all this stuff on the social media page. Uh, Again, we just want to make the uh, announcement video and get that together first, and then we'll be putting that video up online and making an announcement that way soon. But um, I just briefly wanted to mention it right now because, yeah, it's a new thing, and I'm pretty excited about it. So So excited about it, actually. You know what? It's going to be awesome because I bet that there's a lot of people out there who will probably – really jazzed about this project, and I can't wait to see what kind of stuff they come up with and what they're going to go do and what they're going to take pictures of. And, you know, send it, you know, if it's black and white or if it's color or if it's monochromatic or even if you want to make something in Photoshop really quick, I don't even care. Just send us a picture of something that gives you hope. Preferably it's a picture you take yourself because, actually, no, that, yeah, forget what I said about Photoshop. It needs to be a picture of something that you take yourself because it has to be something you find in your everyday life because it just needs to be. You know, it's all about the little things. Don't, don't send nothing appropriate. Like, you know, I don't, you know, no genitalia, for example, like nothing like that. Don't be ridiculous. Okay, we're keep, like, keep this PG rated, all right, guys? Like, be sensible about this. Like, isn't it so ridiculous that in this day and age we even have to issue a warning like that? But we really do. So, yeah. Don't, don't send photos of genitalia. That's the fine print. So, it's it's really like a text. Like, as technology advances, people get dumber in the way that they use it. I swear to God. Like, <laughs> it's the downfall of our society. Exactly. No doubt. Even people who are generally pretty smart. Look at these politicians that constantly get busted for tweeting, like, naked pictures of themselves. You'd think if you were in the public eye, you'd probably not take those photos. And yet, there they are. <sighs> Good times. Yeah, I don't. Don't get me started on politicians because I could I could do a whole two hour podcast just on a rant about all of that. So yeah, don't get me started on that. Um, yeah, don't get me started at all. Anyways, can we all just move to the enchanted forest, please? Because I would much rather live with Snow and Charming as my leaders than what we have going on right now. Okay, hashtag just saying. Okay. All right. So. Um, this episode. <laughs> wow, there's an episode. <laughs> yeah, wait. There's like there's an episode that we were watching. Um, I mean, at this point, you know, gold is like in his shop and stuff. Like he's le- like he it's nighttime and he leaves his shop and Ashley breaks in and he goes to a safe and he comes up behind her and he asks what she's doing and she's like I'm changing my life and she pepper sprays him and she leaves him injured on the floor. <laughs> 
Poor Mr. Gold. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know how to talk about that. I don't even know how to talk about the rest of this episode at this point. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, re- the next day, Regina is at home, and she's getting ready to go out to a council meeting. Mm. She tells Henry that he's not to leave the house. And he says that that means that he's not to see his mom. And she says that Emma is not his mother. And I can't help but crack up at that because she is his mother. Like, birth or not, like, she's his mother. Like, you can have two mothers. It just makes me laugh because of where the relationship is now to see these early stages of Regina being so hardcore, like, get away from my son. Like, it just yes. Did you know, one thing I noticed while watching this episode, first off, I love the fact that Cinderella's name is Ashley, like Ashes and, you know, going back to the cinders where they got Cinderella's name from. So I love that. And then I also noticed when I was watching this that how harsh Regina made her look, you know, as her character develops. Right now we're in the beginning, and you can see that her look is very harsh and very hard. And as we see her sort of go through this redemption arc to where we are now, now she's very soft in the way that she is done as far as makeup and hair and everything. I was noticing that when I watched, rewatched this one. Yeah, even her attitude and her mannerisms are different. Like, yes. Lana Priya has done such an amazing job with this character and the range that she's had. Like, it's amazing. Love her. Um, Anyway, so in the episode at Mary Margaret's house, Emma's stuff has finally arrived. And the two of them discuss how, you know, she doesn't have very much. And that's when Mr. Gold shows up to ask Emma for her help in tracking down Ashley, who has stolen something from him. Please note, in this scene too, just like in the scene where Emma was in the diner with Regina and her red coat was off and Regina had on a red shirt. uh, Emma has on a blue shirt. And Gold is wearing a red tie and a red pocket decorator thing in that scene. (laughs) Now, he wants Emma's help in looking for Ashley because he wants to avoid police involvement. And Emma agrees to help, but she agrees to help Ashley, not necessarily him. So, please, yeah, Emma is wearing a blue shirt because she is, you know, unknowingly, mind you, but she's not in power. Because she's falling for Gold's trap at that point. He is the one who's in power. He is coming to her saying, hey, this woman just stole from me. I need your help to get my stuff back. And Emma, you know, and because he says that she said something about changing her life, and Emma's the one who told her that, she feels guilty about what she's done. She thinks that she inspired Ashley to go steal, like just become a thief or something. And so that's Uh part of the reason why she agrees to go help him. She doesn't know that she's falling for Gold's trap in that moment. So she's not in power. That's why she's not wearing red. So then Emma and Henry, they leave. Yeah. They leave and note that Emma is now wearing a blue jacket over a red shirt instead of the blue shirt that she just had on in the previous scene. She finally got her other leather back. All of her clothes have been shipped in. Yeah, so it's blue, and she's, you know, she's falling for the trick. And it's blue, yeah, it's blue, yeah, okay. So um, Emma, yeah, she's with Henry, and Henry basically blackmails Emma into letting him help her find Ashley. Because <laughs> he 
yeah, he just puts her in a place where she has to let him help or there's, she's not going to be able to help Ashley anyway because she'll be too busy trying to stop Henry from trying to help her. So, yeah, he gets her good. He's a smart kid. Yeah. And so well in these episodes. God, he's so small, right? Like, he barely comes up to, like, Jennifer Morrison's, like, like, barely up to her armpit, like, right about to her heart level. And then, in like, you know, you look at the latest episode, and he's, like, above her shoulders. Like, it's mm-hmm. insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. I think going to be taller than her soon. Yes. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it's within the next season, because he's getting so tall. And his voice is so different now. It's neat to kind of see him grow up over, you know, the show now. Yeah, it's pretty nifty. Meanwhile, in the Enchanted Forest... Cinderella is watching the fireworks above the castle in celebration of her wedding to Prince Thomas. And the two of them go downstairs to celebrate, and Prince Charming and Snow White are in attendance, and Snow White and Cinderella dance together. And Snow tells Cinderella how she is an example of how anyone can change their life and that she's proud of her. And then Rumpelstiltskin shows up because he wants to dance too. But more than that, he, he wants to make good on their deal. And so he tells her exactly what she owes him for him getting her to the ball and everything else. He wants her child. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So later that night, later that night, Ella is packing to leave, and she's wearing a nightgown that looks just like the classic Cinderella dress. And she tells him about her deal with Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, I love that too. Great detail. She tells him about her deal with Rumpelstiltskin, and he stands by her side. No, because he's a good man. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke, Billy is towing Ruby's car. Please note the red wolf on the mirror. While Ruby is telling Emma more about Ashley and her boyfriend, Sean, and Sean lives with his dad and all this other stuff. So then Emma goes to, you know, Sean's house, and she meets Sean's dad. And they talk, and he, you know, reveals the deal that he made with Mr. Gold about, you know, selling Ashley's baby and so forth. Okay, cool. First of all, I love how, you know, the dad is like the king, right, because Thomas was like a prince and stuff. And they live in this fancy house, and the king, like, when his dad comes out, he has on this, like, fancy kind of sweater. Like, Uh like very upper class, you know, like, very waspy. Um just totally looks like if there, if a king were to live in a small town in Maine, that's exactly how he would dress. Like, I just All thought right. that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was, it was just a funny note. So then after that, Emma and Henry, they go to Granny's, and Emma asks Ruby why she didn't tell her that Ashley had sold the baby. And Ruby replies that it, you know, wasn't anybody else's business, basically, and that she wasn't going to have anybody judging her friend because it's a decision that her friend was making. So then Emma sees the red wolf, from Ruby's car is sitting on the countertop. And she basically, yeah, she basically figures out right then that Ashley has taken Ruby's car so that she can run off with the baby and doesn't have to give the baby up. Man, that would be, that's such a crazy, like, oh, I can't imagine that situation. I know this. I like. Uh, I love this episode so much. And Sarah says she likes that we actually got a lot of backstory on the character of Cinderella, whereas 
with like Rapunzel and Blackbeard, some of the other characters that got introduced, we didn't get a lot of backstory. I, I like that too, that we had a lot of backstory. And now, of course, with Wonderland, we know now that Cinderella's, one of her stepsisters was, in fact, Anastasia, who became the Red Queen and then the White Queen. But um, I love that Cinderella is a character that has backstory. Yeah, the fact that Cinderella had a part to play in the intersection between Once Upon a Time and Wonderland and Agrabah and everything else, just kind of like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. So cool. But I, I, I like Cinderella, and I know Jesse Schramm is on another show now, but I would love to see more of Cinderella because she's such a classic Disney character, and the way they twisted her story for once was so good. I, w- I would love to see her back in there again. I just want to say that's a really good point that Sarah made about um, characters and backstory and you know, Cinderella versus what we got with, like, Rapunzel and stuff. Um mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, I think that part of the reason why they were able to do that in the first season more is because Emma's, like, the curse wasn't broken yet. Uh So having the whole family, like, all of the family interact, it wasn't an option yet. Like, it couldn't Uh be a factor because she had to go interact with all these other fairy tale characters. Like, I really do wish... I really do wish that they hadn't broken the curse until, like, the second season, actually. Uh, um, just because I think it would have been more fun to see Emma interact with even more fairy tale characters and really have no choice but to accept that everybody was who they were. Um, I right. think it actually would have been fun if season one had ended with something that maybe uh, deterred Henry from thinking that the curse was real. And so it kind of seemed like he was giving up. And then season two would have been building that back up in addition to having Emma, like, believe. And then she could have broken the curse. And then, yeah, I don't know. I just wish that there had been more, like what Sarah said, more backstory on all these characters that they're bringing into the show. But now they can't do that, of course, because what what really matters now is the relationships between all the characters because the curse was broken. So that's the kind of juxtaposition, though. That's why we're kind of stuck, I think. Like, Yeah, I even in season one, I always, from season one on, I loved when we got that story, not only on new characters and people, you know, like this is the first Cinderella came into it, but when they would do backstory on Regina or on Snow, I've always loved seeing that backstory and that history, especially if it involved characters interacting that, you know, we didn't know would be interacting or it was something new. I, I've always loved seeing the backstory. I hope that's not something they ever totally get away from. I know they have to do less of it now just because of the relationships, like you mentioned, with the curse being broken. But I I love that backstory, and, and that's one of the things that I missed and, and about the whole Oz story. I wish that the backstory part had not had to have been cut so short. I wish they could have done more of the backstory and lengthened it more. I really think it would have worked better for as far as Zelina um, making her a more sympathetic character, which I loved Rebecca Matter. I felt like she was really you know, wicked and devious, but I I would love to have seen more of her history, more of the the whole Dorothy thing. So I definitely hope we get into 
to getting a lot more backstory on the different characters. And you and I have talked a lot about hoping for eventually some more Melissa. Because that's something I'm dying, dying, dying to see. Yeah, I'm honestly kind of surprised with the Maleficent movie coming out that they didn't do Maleficent as the big villain for season four right now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't some way that she could have, like, shown up. Or Jafar, mm-hmm. or, I don't know. Like, I'm excited to have Frozen Beyond, but at the same time, like, I want Sleeping Beauty. Like, I want the three fairies. I want Maleficent. I want all of that on the show as, like, a longer storyline than just one episode. Or even just one episode would be okay as long as they do it right. But I want to see that story unfold. And hopefully we'll get to that one at one point because there is really something interesting there. Like, in, in, uh, in the episode Broken, season two, episode one, when Aurora tells Philip that first Maleficent went after her mother and then her, um... Can we see that, please? Like, yeah, I I would love to. I think that that would be really. I want to see it. I want to see the forest of thorns around the castle for crying out loud. Like, mm-hmm. I I love Melissa's always been one of my favorite characters. Sleeping Beauty was my favorite as a child, as far as an animated Disney movie, and I've always loved Melissa. I was, you know, thought she was really bad and terrifying, but she's really intriguing, too. You know, she's she was just always really, really interesting to me, and I cannot wait for this Disney movie to come out next week. It actually opens while I'm covering SpookyCon, but you can bet your butt that the second SpookyCon is over and I've got, you know, editing and pictures done, that I will be at a movie theater somewhere watching this movie because I am dying to see it. Me too. I actually, um, I have a theory about that movie, (laughs) about what's going to happen. Um, I think because I can't help but notice that one of the one of the posters that they put out for this movie says, um, "Visions aren't always what they seem." I think that Uh Maleficent is. I think Maleficent is going to have a vision of King Stefan's army, like, taking over her land or something, and mm-hmm. that she's going to try and stop him, and then by doing so, like, she basically creates the situation where she ends up getting defeated. Like, I think it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Like, she has a vision, and visions aren't always what they seem, so she tries to do something about it, and in the process, she ends up getting herself killed. See, I have a theory, too, but that's not my theory. Because, well, you know that that's a line from Once Upon a Dream. Visions are seldom what they yeah, seem. Yeah. Well, I, oh, I do, but I can't help it. Like, yeah. isn't that a because weird thought? Like, have you ever really listened to that lyric, though? Like, I never paid attention to that lyric until I saw that poster, and then I was like, oh. Oh. See, here's what I think is going to happen with the Melissa movie. I think that when Melissa is young, King Stefan probably tries to I, – this is what I think. I have no idea, so this is not a spoiler, folks, so please, no no more hate mail. Um, I think that King Stefan, when Maleficent is a younger woman, is going to pretend to love her in order to, I don't know, take over her land or whatever it is he wants. Oh, and then love it. I, I think he's going to, like, screw her over 
And so I think that's where her hatred is going to come from. But I could be totally off because I don't know. But I don't know. She Just in the commercials, she seems to particularly not care for King Stefan very much. So that's, that's the, what I was thinking might happen. Actually, you know what? I think you could be right on that. I, I really do, actually. I think that's a really good prediction. And if that does end up being the case, girl, the next time I'm in Orlando, I'm buying you a drink. <laughs> I'll take a margarita. <laughs> totally. Cause, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sarah is saying in the chat room that her sister wanted to throw her out of the window of their cabin because she was so obsessed with Sleeping Beauty. It's funny that you say that Sleeping Beauty was your favorite, too, because that one was my favorite animated Disney movie as a kid just because, like, it was so colorful to me, and I loved it. Like, right. it seemed like that movie really runs the spectrum of color, and it, I think that's what always really appealed to me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was visually beautiful. It was actually the first animated Disney movie where they did all of the backgrounds separate from the character art instead of like, you know, it was done in two separate steps. All the backgrounds were painted and then they did the characters. Um, yes, I'm a Disney nerd and I know that fact. Yay. But I love that movie. I I thought for sure that that came before my obsession with Alice in Wonderland because I was probably a few years older when I became obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. But I wanted to build a big old tower in my backyard. And yeah, I was, I had a master plan when I was a kid. I was going to build a Sleeping Beauty castle, and I was going to have a, a uh, you know spinning wheel in it, but I wasn't going to make. I was going to make sure it was without needle. And then after I got you know a couple years later into my huge Alice in Wonderland obsession, which I still have, my plan was next to my castle, I was going to buy a warehouse or a huge factory, and I was going to convert the inside to Wonderland decoration. So that I would live. Now, keep in mind, I was only like six or seven, maybe eight. So I was going to live between the two, between my castle and my Wonderland factory. So I had I had it all planned out. That's hilarious to me because when I was younger, I was such a nerd. <laughs> when I was younger, my master plan was that when I grew up, I was going to live in a house where I would have an elevator. And you would get in the elevator, and it would look like a turbo lift from Star Trek. And when you got to the top floor, like the second floor, basically, because I would only have a two-story house, because why wouldn't you have an elevator in a two-story house? Because, you know, I was 10. Or, like, I was at least, like, I was a teenager at least, like 13. Just thinking, oh, I'll just do that. You know, why not? And then when, like, when the door would open, you would be on the bridge of the Starship Voyager, and, like, the view screen would be a TV, and I would have, like, a couch where the bench was, and, like, my room would be in the captain's ready room, like, my bedroom and stuff. Like, I had a whole plan. (laughs) I had it all drawn out and everything. Like, it was ridiculous. Sweet. Yeah, I had mine all on paper. I had it drawn out. I was going to have a big slide that was a rainbow where if you followed the chessboard, you could slide from my Wonderland over to my Sleeping Beauty castle. It was awesome. Like <laughs> shoots and ladders? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like shoots and ladders between Wonderland and the Sleeping Beauty castle. <laughs> oh, my God. That just I sounds like a dream. fun game to play with kids. Like... <laughs> Go between like worlds. at a kid's birthday party, like you know what I mean. Like at a kid's birthday party, like 
take them to some playground and have it be a thing where, like, if they go down the slide, like, they're, you know, in another land, like, you could decorate it all, you know, fancy. You could, you know what you could do? You could, like, put streamers on each side of the slide so that when they go down it, you know, and then they go out the streamers on the other side, they've, like, come to a new world, like. There you go. That's oh, man, now I just want to go design a bunch of playgrounds, like, for adults, <laughs> and then just we could all go play on them, like. <laughs> Sarah, yes, I am. I am actually building an Oz garden and a Wonderland garden right next to it. And I told my husband the other day that once these two are done, I swear to God, this is these gardens are like a branch out from when I was a kid because I sit out there and I'm like, oh, it's almost <laughs> almost what I wanted when I was a kid. So I told him our next one is going to have to be a Neverland garden, and I thought he was going to pass out because we have been working so hard on these gardens in the backyard. Oh, my God. He's like, I don't know if I have the stamina to do another garden. I still need a scarecrow. I'm having trouble finding a scarecrow for my Oz garden, but I got my red flowers in just this week. They finally started coming up and blooming. The yellow brick road is done. The signs are done. Wonderland is pretty much done already, um, and it's right next to the Oz Garden. I think I have pictures on our podcast Twitter, but I'll have to um, go through and look if I don't, and I'll share some there. But yeah, it's maybe I should do the Sleeping Beauty Garden. I'll put it right next door. And I'm going to stick a slide between the two sections, so it'll almost be like living in my house I wanted. <laughs> I'm such a child. <laughs> see, even, see, everybody's dream can come true. There you go. <laughs> it's on a smaller scale, of course. Good. Yeah, but uh, still, you know, I mean, that's still. the thing that won't happen. But yeah. That's hilarious. So <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we've got like 10 minutes or so left of the podcast, and we're obviously not going to be able to cover the rest of the episode here on this recap. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening on this episode as we kind of took a left turn or a right turn, actually, I think. We went on the right direction. So we took a right turn and went on a little bit of a discussion about stuff that we weren't planning on. But I actually think that that's pretty good. That felt really nice, actually, to break away from the normal thing of what we do and do something different, don't you think? I think so, too. And I think it was a good topic. I think it's always good when we can, you know, highlight some of the positive things that come out of the fandom. I think that's important for people to see that, too, and not just, yeah, some of the because sometimes the negativity is loud or louder than the positivity, but the positivity is definitely there, and it's all over the world. It just amazes me that the Once Upon a Family is worldwide. It's not like just here or just there that they have like a cult following. It's everywhere. Yeah, it really is. Um... Actually, you know what's so funny? Gareth just told me today, Gareth, he is our editor. He was watching Britain's Got Talent tonight, and one of the top, like, groups, like, kind of, you know, one of the groups that's got a shot at winning the whole competition, they did a dance routine tonight involving Snow White fighting the evil queen, and there was, like, a curse involved. He said it was totally Once Upon a Time based, and... um Hopefully soon that video will be up on YouTube because that's something that I I would really love to see. I want to see that. Yes, 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 yes. And definitely before we finish, though, I did want to mention, too, if you guys are going to Spooky this weekend, um, Maury and I and a couple of us that will be there, 
um, I'll have a lanyard with a badge on it that bans. So if you guys see me, if you're in cosplay or not in cosplay or anything, come say hello. I want to take as many pictures of Oncers as I can. We don't only want to cover the cast while we're there. I really want to see all of the fans and the, um, <clears throat> the cosplay and just everybody coming together. So if you guys are there and you see me running around, then come say hi and let me take your picture. <laughs> <coughs> That was one of the best parts of last year going to the conventions was meeting up with everybody and, you know, talking to them about just, yeah, the show and costumes and our theories and just our love of the show. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Definitely. I can't wait. (laughs) All right. So next week we are watching – the next episode, which is um, that still small voice. Um, at least I think we are. Uh, unless yeah. we kind of divert. And we might actually talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike what we did this week about the yeah. price of gold. Um, apparently, the price of gold is talking about fandom because that. There you go. <laughs> that's pretty much it. So yeah. Um, so, well, I am glad that we broke away from our normal discussion. I think that was nice. That's all nice. Um, yeah. Let's see. Oh, also, May 30th, which is on Friday, is Jared Gilmore's birthday. Um, so yeah. let's make sure that we all – I mean, of course, everybody is going to remember that because it's going to be all over everywhere. But um, just want to let everybody know. And he is going to be 14 years old. Wow. Oh, that's all. All right. But, yeah, so he'll be 14, and, yeah, that's pretty much it for Jared. And then let's see, what else? We've got some other stuff coming up here, I believe. Um, Spooky Con is this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, June 8th. When is June 8th? No, we have another podcast before that. Okay. Um, Not really a whole lot going on in the news. Actually, at any point now, any time now on one of these podcasts, oh, we we'll be able to tell you that we'll be able to tell you that Jenny Goodwin and Josh Giles had their baby because that baby is going to be happening sometime really quickly. So, um, that's like going to be like that's going to be such a huge thing. Oh my God, they're going to be asked that so many times at Comic Con that by the time they get to me, I'm not going to be able to say a word to them about it. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. I think Seriously, he always had I'm, it by Comic-Con, though. Fully have had I'm it by the time July. They're going to be asking questions like, hi, so how is Parenthood? And, the, like, I can already imagine. It's like. <laughs> it's true. You'll have to think of a creative way to ask them about how Parenthood is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know Although, that eight I've people in front of me just asked I've got a couple of ideas for what I want to ask. Um, at least what I want to ask Jennifer Goodwin. Amy, you already know, but we're not. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna say what it is yet. I'm just yes, gonna, and I love it. it. Yeah, I'm just love gonna it. do it when I do the interview. Um, but I have an idea for what I want to do with Josh too. So um, <laughs> I bet a lot of people do. No. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have. Yeah, I've got a game. I've got an idea for a game to play with Josh. So I'm gonna see if, if he'll if he'll be willing to do that or not. Um, Oh, my God, shut up. I don't even know. 
I love you. I can't. Either. I'm, not, I'm not touching that with a six foot sword, okay? Like. <laughs> all right, oh, so everybody, we've got about <laughs> we've got about a minute and a half left on the podcast. And so I just want to thank everybody again for listening to the episode. And please don't forget what I said. If you've got something out there that you want to do in life, please go do it. And don't hold yourself back. And don't let anybody else hold you back either. Don't be afraid of what other people think. Only care about what you think. And let yourself know that you can do it because you can. Believe in yourself because there are other people out there who believe in you, whether you know it or not. Yeah, um, We've got definitely. one minute left now. Um, yeah, we're watching that still small voice next week. Um, we'll have oh, and next week Amy can let us all know how it went at SpookyCon. Yes, next week will be the first week after. I'll be fresh back from SpookyCon. Da da da. No, you're not going to be fresh at all. You're going to be exhausted and tired. I'm going to be wiped. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. All right, so, um, again, please send us your pictures for everything for, you know, the list of Rumpel that we did today. If you're still doing stuff for Charming, let us know. We're going to have a new list next week. Don't forget about the 30 Days of Hope. We're launching that on uh, June 1st. You'll see more about that on the uh, podcast page and in other as the week goes on. We have 10 seconds left. That's pretty much it for us tonight, folks. Good night. Good night.